You can hear me okay. All right. Well, tonight we're going to be doing a study on prayer. The various types of prayers. And um, we've had several weeks now where we've come up and shared. So <clears throat> about three weeks ago, Jacob, who I believe is the youth pastor or works with the youth, uh, gave us a teaching on a lifestyle of prayer. And then the following week, uh, Henry gave us a prayer on the prayer of Jabez. And, you know, that was about extending my area or my, so I can receive a blessing. And uh, he wanted to make sure he had enough room for the blessing he was going to receive. And last week, Santosh gave an excellent message on 12 categories we can pray for our pastor and leaders. So we've had a great variety of teachings on prayer. And so tonight, uh, the, the title of my message is The Various Types of Prayer. But before I get into that, I wanted to just briefly go through some of the things some of the prayers that our Lord prayed. And when we, when we look into how Jesus prayed, it would give us a good example of how we can pray. Now, some of the things he prayed, obviously, we'll probably never pray. But there are things that, you know, when he was crucified, when he was in the garden. And so I just want to just briefly give a scripture that I kind of want you to put in the back of your mind that when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said in uh, John 4.24 that God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So if we know our Father's a spirit, then that gives us a good hint that we need to address him with prayer. So we can speak audibly. I'm not saying they have to be quiet, but he's a spirit. Our Lord, our Father is a spirit. So when we address, when we go to him and, uh, and bring our petitions and whatever, we have, to, we have to do that in prayer. Also, um, in Mark 1.35, it says that in the early morning, while still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place to pray. And so early in the morning, before daybreak, Jesus leaves the house, goes to a secluded place, and prays. And we know that when he, he did this as, as a routine. He didn't do it every once in a while. So this was his routine. And we know that when he was going to choose the 12 disciples, that he prayed all night. So he was before the Father all night, making or, or just making sure that the Father and him were on the same page when it came to choosing those 12 disciples. Also, in Luke 3.21, Jesus was praying while being baptized. I, I didn't catch that. You know, so when Jesus was being baptized, he was praying. So when he came out of the water... He was praying. 
And several things happened. One was that the heavens were open and that the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And so, and then a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, who I'm well pleased. So while he was being baptized, Jesus prayed. Then on the Mount of Figuration, I didn't, I didn't catch that one either. While he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, his face was somewhat altered and his clothing became as white and, and just, uh, just glistening. And right before their eyes, he changed into this, well, what we would call a glorified body. So, and then again, a voice came out of heaven as they were leaving, saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then we also know that as he was getting towards the crucifixion, that Peter was arguing with him or saying, you know, you're not going to go, you know, to Jerusalem, be crucified. And Jesus said, you know, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you return to me, you're going to strengthen your brethren. So Jesus prayed for a, for a person. And I believe that he prays for us as well. In Luke 22:41, in the garden, he knelt and prayed, Father, if it, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. I think that's one of the most sincerest <laughs> hurting prayers because he in the garden was praying and his disciples were just a rock throw away. They'd fallen asleep. He was there alone. And the intensity of his prayer was at the point where he was actually sweating blood. So the intensity of that prayer he was asking the Father, if, this, if there's any way that we could do this another way. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So in Matthew 14, 19, he says when he was going to feed the 5,000, Jesus commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass or on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he blessed that those five loaves and two fish he prayed to God and you know what happened so everybody there men men women and children had enough to eat that they were all satisfied so here again Jesus prayed blessed the food and then in John 11, 41 and 42, then they took him away, then they took away the stone from the place where Lazarus, the dead man, was laid. And Jesus lifted up, up his eyes to heaven and said, I thank you that you hear me. So here Jesus is thanking the, his father that he always hears him. And that's that is so important for us to know that when we pray, God hears us. Whether we get the answer right away or not, 
we know that God hears us when we pray. And so, obviously, when he called out for Lazarus to come forth, he came, rose from the dead, and came out of the tomb. And it says, you know, in Luke 11, 1 through 4, let me find that real quick. It says, now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, so Jesus is praying, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, would you teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples? So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this prayer that Jesus was teaching his disciples here in Luke is somewhat the same as what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. But a lot of us don't know how to really pray effectively. And so this one disciple, who was obviously there was more than one there at the scene, they could see that his prayer, that's the way I want to pray. And I've been around people who, man, when they pray, <laughs> you know that they're, they're, right, they're right in the presence of God because they've, they've practiced or they've tuned in, they've learned, they've, they're, they're at a place in their life where praying is no longer, I have to. You know that when we pray, you ever ask yourself, I wonder if God has been waiting for me to pray. I mean, is, is he eager to hear us? I think so. I think the Father loves when his children come and just petition him. So we see, we see the life of Christ. And, and obviously, in the life of Christ, we know that he prayed on the, on the cross. And, and so those prayers, we can just see that Jesus, even though he was God in the flesh, he always kept right next to his Father in heaven through prayer. And he knew that, God, you always hear me. And that is such a comfort for us that when we come to the Father, and, and we may have all kinds of issues, but we can bring them to our Father in heaven. So I'm going to read from Timothy, and this is kind of the text that I'm using. And Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all. So before he says anything else, I exhort first of all. Does that mean first importance, or does that mean this is what needs to be first? So he says, he's saying, this is the most important. This is what I exhort you to do. So he's not talking about Sunday school or 
or any other issues that would be going on in church, he's, he's talking to Timothy, who is now an overseer or a pastor in Ephesus. And I just want to remind you that there was many times when he was only at a church for a short time and they had to choose overseers, deacons, leaders. Why was that? Because, see, in this time, there were just house churches. Now, they may have a time where they all met to meet together, but these house churches had anywhere from a dozen to two or three dozen people. And so they had to have a pastor, an overseer. They had to have someone to officiate the meeting. So there had to be leadership, a lot of leadership. If a, if a, if a church had three or 400 members, just think how many locations they would have to have if they only had two or three, four dozen people at each one, and four dozen would be stretching it. Home churches generally only had a dozen to two dozen people. So leadership was so important to Paul, giving Timothy instructions. So he says, first of all, that supplications. Now, we don't use that word supplications anymore. But supplication is merely needs, petitions. It's, it's needs that we have. Lord, I, I need you know, transportation. I, I, need a, I need to make the house payment. These are needs that, that the scriptures tells us that God already knows those needs even before we ask. But he wants us to ask. He wants us to be involved with him in our prayer life. So, supplication. Supplication um, is, well, let's read Philippians 4.6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So, here, Paul gives a perfect description or definition of supplication or needs. And then we have the next word is prayers. Now these are general prayers. These are prayers just we just pray all the time. One of the things that uh, Jake, uh, Jacob saw was in Ephesians, or no, excuse me, and I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, pray without ceasing. So we can be going through our day involved in prayer, just praying for just things that come to our mind. I know that Lisa and I, when we were on the road those 20-some years, we would see some of the most horrific accidents you could imagine. Sometimes three or four trucks involved, cars, and there would be people that obviously lost their life or that the ambulance was there trying to, whatever. And Lisa would always begin praying for them. And I just always thought, wow, you know, she's, she's, she's making a request, a prayer to God because of this accident. And then there's intercession prayers, and we're going to get to that one a little later. I'm going to skip that one for now. And then there's, there's prayers of thanksgiving. Now, 
Our regular prayers, if you read the Psalms, you can't get away from all the prayers that David prayed. You know, in, in Psalm 3, it's a morning prayer. In Psalm 4, evening prayer. In Psalm 5, prayer of protection. In Psalm 6, prayer of mercy. So David was a man of prayer. He prayed all the time. And any time you read a psalm and it starts out, Oh God, oh Lord, then you know that it's a prayer. He's praying, oh God, you know. So, and that's the way our prayer should be. When we come before the Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, this is heavy on my heart. So we have, we have just our prayers that are general. And then we have Romans 8.26. No, excuse me. That's, that's a little later. It says, and, and then we have prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving are, are prayers where we're thankful for what we have. Being content with what we have is such an important part of being a believer. Because when you're anxious or when you want something or when you're always fussing about getting more or getting whatever, it puts you in a position of not being content or having peace. So in, in being thankful, it says in Romans 1.8, it says, Paul says, first, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And so he was thankful for the, for the people, for his brothers and sisters, for those that, have come to Christ. So we also know that in prayers of thanksgiving in 1 Chronicles 29, 13, it says, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Now, this happens to be at the very end of King David's life. And he was being thankful because he wanted the people to bring all the supplies needed to build a temple. Now we know that David didn't build a temple and we know that this is the end of his life but at this time he is so thankful and grateful that the people weren't forced. They were willing to bring all the supplies needed to bring to, to, in order for the temple to be built which was started uh, just not too much later when his son became king, and that was King Solomon. Then we also have Psalm 30, verse 12, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And so here again, David is giving thanks to God, and so we should be a people grateful and thankful to God in all of our affairs, in all of our affairs. So as we go back and look at the prayer of intercession, and the prayer of intercession, I believe, is the most, for me, is the most important prayer because 
I'm praying on behalf of someone else, or I'm praying on behalf of a group. I'm praying on behalf of my church. I'm praying on behalf of family. I'm praying on behalf of my city, my country. I'm praying on behalf of men. Because you know what it says in the end of this verse I just read? Intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. Do you know that not everyone is saved, so that means we're praying for, does Matthew say, pray for your enemies? <laughs> so we're to pray for all men, well, women, but we're, we're to pray for all men. So those that rub us the wrong way, we're to pray for them. Those people who seem to be negative all the time, we need to pray for them. In other words, when we intercede for someone, what we're doing, take for instance, this is spiritually now, but I'm going to use a physical term. If any of you have been to the Grand Canyon, you know that there's a south rim and there's a north rim. And it's a long ways between the two rims. But, but look at it spiritually. If you were going to build a bridge from one rim to the other, and you were going to do it spiritually, and that's what we do when we intercede. This person is on the south rim, or this group, whatever, and they need to get to the north rim. And our prayers, our intercessory prayers, begin to build that bridge so they can cross. And sometimes... The situation looks so dire. And you say, oh God, what, what, can, what can we do? And that's the tool that God has given us to intercede for, for the saints. To intercede. And you know, it says in Romans, the one I had that I <laughs> messed up. It says in Romans 8... Uh, 26 it says likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses so when when we are weak and we don't seem to have the strength to really pray like we ought it says for we do not know what we should pray and that's a time when the the situation is kind of out of our hands but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So not only, not only has God called us to intercede, but also the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And it's deep, it's, it's, it's groanings that we can't understand. But God gives us the ability when we're weak and we, how do I handle this, Lord? Well, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and gives us the ability to pray in situations that we have no idea where to begin. You know, 
Intercession, inter when we intercede for, for people or, or whatever the situation is, we will probably never, ever get a pat on the back or a reward here. They may never even know we prayed for them. But see, our prayer life is the most important part of our walk with God. I remember I went to see Leonard Ravenhill a long time ago, and he said something. He said, you know, when I get asked to come to a church to give the word, they want to put me up, you know, in a fancy hotel or whatever. And I always tell them the same thing. Just put me in with the intercessors. That's where I want to be. I want to be with the intercessors. I want to be with those who make a difference in the kingdom of God with their prayer life. And so when, when, we, when we say, God, teach us to pray. And when those disciples said, we want to, we want to know how to pray. We want to know how to pray effectively. You know, um, there's another category of prayer that is not here in, in Timothy. And one is the prayer of confession. And we know there's, there's several scriptures. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then in James, it says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And then in Romans 10, it says that if you confess Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, he will be saved. So that prayer of confession is also important because when we slip and when we, when we fall down or get scraped up, God is waiting for us to come in and say, Lord, I disappointed you. Would you forgive me? And see, it's a done deal for us who are believers. This, this 1 John 1, 9 is not a salvation confession. This is, this is a daily confession. This is, this is Holy Ghost soap. <laughs> you know, this, this is you know, our daily wash from God that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness when we confess. And I can raise my hand. I, boy, I've stood on that scripture more than once. So, so as we look at the scriptures on prayer, it's not the easiest thing. It's not the easiest part of our walk. In fact, it's the least done. I'm not even going to give you statistics on how long the average pastor prays. It's, it's discouraging, let alone how much a believer prays. Because our prayer life, it, it's the most important part of serving God because it makes us one-on-one -on -one with our Father. And, and if we just knew how eager our Father is to listen and to speak to us. Be still and know that I am God. To come before him and allow him to speak deep within us. And, you know, um, 
our, our salvation is a free gift. Can't work for it. Can't buy it. Can't persuade God, you know, on our terms. No, the free gift of salvation that was provided by what Christ did on the cross. And to begin to be Christ-like, you have to be in the Word, but you also have to be in prayer. So, so in, in, you know, Paul, let's see what time it is. Paul prayed almost to every church, and he would intercede for these churches. And, you know, if, if it was Romans... And these are all in the first chapter, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 2nd Timothy, or 1st Timothy. So Paul interceded for these churches because he knew, he knew that his prayers meant a lot. And, and it was, you could tell he wrestled. One of the Greek words is agonized, and, and it's the same word for wrestling. You agonize on your knees before the Lord to, to bring forth and birth that prayer for someone. And then, in like manner, Paul asks the church in Rome, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he asks them to pray for him. So it was a back and forth. So he knew the value and how important it was to have a prayer life. And so who do we pray for? Well, we pray for one another. We pray for our enemies. We pray for the work of the gospel. We pray for rulers, kings. We pray for our government. We pray, and that's local as well as is national. We pray for backsliders. So he gives us an enormous, just a wide variety of how we are to pray. Who do we pray for? And I want to end with this. Because we could go on about prayer. There's so much in the scriptures on prayer that it's just almost impossible to narrow it down. I've got two pieces of paper I'm not even going to go over. But here's the deal. You know, when, when Santosh gave us the word last week about 12 different categories we can pray for our pastor leaders, it woke me up. Because I, I'll be honest, I was not practicing that. It, it, I, it didn't even dawn on me. But now that I've heard that message, I'm on it because I know that I needed that to understand how important it is to pray for our leaders right here in church. You know, Ian Bounds, who's written several books on prayer, he said, and I love this quote, he says, do we talk to man about God or do we pray to God about man? You know, and that's a, that's a great illustration of, you know, when, yes, 
we're going we're gonna to involve ourselves in conversation about others and about the Lord. But here's the thing. Last Sunday, when, when our pastor, and I didn't know Pastor James was going to be here tonight, so, but last Sunday, we heard a sermon on a church that Jesus wrote to called Sardis. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. And what I, what I got out of that was something rich. I mean, it was fruitful. Is that God wasn't tearing us down. He was giving us, he, he wanted to come underneath us and begin raising us up from maybe being a little stale. I won't use the word dead, but some of us have gotten stale and what he was doing, he says, no, I'm not going to throw you out on the curb. I want to lift you up. I want to give you some measure of how good it can be. And so, likewise, I want this message. I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, I don't pray enough. It's not that. It's that I wanted to give you the information that could lift and your prayer life, that how God is so eager to listen. He's so eager to fellowship with us. He's so eager to want <laughs> not only us speak to him, but he wants to speak to us. So with that, I want to give everyone the opportunity to go into deeper waters with prayer. Not to, not to say, oh, I don't know. No, yeah, it takes time. It takes discipline. But, you know, you can just get your toes wet or you can go into deeper water and fellowship with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's give the Holy Spirit, our Father, the opportunity to do more for us in that wonderful world of prayer. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. I just, I, I just, I, I'm just so awkward sometimes because there's so much that you want to do through us and in us and for us. And sometimes I, I just don't know what part to leave in and take out or what. So, Father, I just pray that you would give us all the right information about prayer. And I pray this in your mighty name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Now we're going to have some questions. <laughs> and these questions are, do we have them on the, are they up there? Okay. So we'll, we'll go ahead and break into small groups. I can actually say group. <laughs> and, and discuss these questions. Thank you very much.